Well, good morning. I'm Brady Testorf. I'm the pastor here at the Calling Community Church. I'm going to welcome you. Thanks for coming today. Thanks for braving the elements. We're glad that you're in town and able to, to be with us. If you are listening via podcast, hopefully we're able to get that squared away and get that back out onto the internet. We, we welcome you and think that you're listening today. Uh, we're going to do, uh, do something different today that I, that I haven't done since we started uh, the church. And so if you're listening, it'd be hard for you to actually see what's going on, but hopefully you'll be able to get the idea through listening, listening to it. I want to make sure if, you, um, if you're new today, it's your first time here, when the uh, books are being passed around, which as a matter of fact, someone can help get those started, we, t- we turn around these, uh, these attendance books and it gives you an opportunity to let us know that you're here. And then there's cards inside of there. If you've never filled out one of those informational cards, please do so and then place it in the offering basket today. We'll be doing something different with the offering. As you come forward for communion today, you can drop your offering basket into the, um, or your offering into the offering basket. We'd pr- appreciate that. And drop those informational cards too. If you have any food boxes that you have yet to fill up or bring back for the Day of Hope, which is coming up this Saturday, then make sure that you bring those food back boxes, try to get them to me somehow this week because we need to take them with us, make sure they're there for Saturday when all the families come. 1,500 different people, 300 and some families, 962 children will be coming through for the Day of Hope and they will be receiving the food that we have given and every single child will get a coat, every kid will get a gift. It's going to be an incredible experience. That's this Saturday coming up at the Rock of KC. Now, if you still have not signed up to volunteer and you want to volunteer, go to thedayofhope.org, get registered, be there. Unless, unless something happens with my father-in-law, I plan on being there, but we just never, uh, we never know. Which, if you're not familiar, my father-in-law, his name is Walter. Walter's 93 years old, and he is in the last stage of his journey of life here on this planet, and he's about ready to pass over into um, something greater than we've ever seen before on this earth, for sure. And so be praying for him, be praying for my wife. His sister is in town all the way from California, and so we're excited that she's here, and uh, she came to church this morning. It's great to, great to see her. Well, we are in the season of Advent and we are, we're, this is not a Catholic church, but I think it's, it's, it's good for us to, to, to celebrate and realize that there are four Sundays leading up to Christmas, and we get to celebrate a different word, a different thought or um, feeling coming up to Christmas. And the first Sunday is celebration of the hope that is in Christ Jesus. So Advent is a period of spiritual preparation in which many Christians make themselves ready for the coming or the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, I want to encourage you this morning as, we, as we're getting started here, prepare yourself to come forward at the end of the service to receive communion. Now we believe that if you belong to Jesus, you belong at the table. There is not a membership uh, role here at the church that you have to be on in order to come to take the, the elements. But we ask that you would prepare your heart you know, like in a sense, getting your hands clean and ready to eat at the table, prepare yourself to come forward at the end of the service for communion. So this is a time of spiritual preparation as we sense and we acknowledge the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ into the world, and nothing or no one has had a greater impact 
in this world than Jesus. Can I get an amen? Okay, I know it's not common. I know we don't get too excited at this church. I have a friend that wants to come to this church, and he says, am I going to be bored? I was like, maybe. I don't know. We, we, we don't clap on time, and we don't say a whole lot of amen, but maybe we'll get there eventually, so just don't be afraid to do that. We're going to celebrate uh, Advent by, uh, by praying. Maybe it's a season of, of fasting from, you know, after Thanksgiving, we could probably fast a little bit, <laughs> preparing ourselves, getting ready for, for, uh, for Christmas, but it's not necessarily about fasting from food. It could be other things, other activities that take our time and our thoughts away from, from the Lord. Maybe a season of repentance, followed by this anticipation of hope, peace, joy, and love. Today we want to focus on hope with the coming of Jesus into the world, with the coming of Jesus into our lives. That hope tells us that there's more to this life than just this life, okay? That's an exciting thought. There's more to this life than just this life. When I was visiting with Walter on Friday, I was rubbing his, his bald head. I have an affinity for bald heads for some reason, I don't know. And I was rubbing his head, and I, and I leaned down, and I said, Walter, are you afraid? like, afraid of what? I said, are you afraid to die? Everyone has to go on this journey, he said. I'm not afraid. He's not afraid because he has hope, ladies and gentlemen. He has the hope of Jesus. He served the church and he served his family faithfully for years. Colossians 1.27 says that Christ in us is the hope of glory. That is that, as, as Linda was talking about, that is the expectation of an eventual face-to-face encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but nothing gets me more excited than that. I cannot wait. There's something about the sensing to stand before, I don't know if it'll be standing before, it'll be like bowing before Jesus someday. 1 Thessalonians 4 says that we don't have to grieve death like the rest of men who have no hope. And I can't imagine going through a time like this or going to, um, as a pastor, doing a funeral and not knowing, not knowing, does that person have hope in Christ? We're not really sure, the family's kind of unsure. I did a funeral yesterday for a 66-year-old man who died just like that. And, and I asked his son, was he a man of faith? Did he have hope in Christ? And he said, well, my dad wasn't real vocal about it. He, doesn't, he didn't really let too many people know about that, but he did believe he was a person of faith. Can I just encourage you, please don't let it be a mystery to people around you, to your family. You know, we get pumped up and excited for the Royals and for the Chiefs. Everybody knows if we're a fan of them. Let somebody know that you're a fan of Jesus. Please let me know so that when I'm doing your funeral, hopefully it's not anytime soon, you know, then I'll know. And there won't be no question. I can talk about it boldly. And that kind of wandered in the back of my mind. I'm not sure. But you know, it's not actually for me to decide, right? I mean, God knows. He's, he knows our hearts. But, but make sure that it's obvious. It's obvious. Not obnoxious, but obvious. Earlier in the week, I went to a funeral at the, the church that I was at before we started this church. There's probably 500 people there to celebrate the life of this guy named Michael Payton. And the first lyrics to the first song that come up onto the screen, I was literally just thinking about today, and I was thinking about hope, and I was thinking about 
Man, I was like, I'm so excited that Michael had hope in Jesus because that changes everything today. And the first screen, the, the lines that come up on the screen was, my hope is built on nothing less. Sound familiar? I think we just sang that, right? This was not scripted. We did not plan this. Then Jesus' blood and righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. That was the first words that they sang in his funeral. And that kind of like just framed it all from that moment on. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I was a youth pastor for 15 years, and I used a lot of illustrations or a lot of object lessons or sometimes acted out things, something, trying to just, for one, get kids to pay attention, okay, keep their interest, and help them uh, take the, the words and apply it to their life and apply it to their heart. And so I was thinking about this, uh, this message about hope the other day, and, it, and I got this, this idea in my head. And sometimes I get some weird ideas and I just dismiss them. Sometimes I get weird ideas in my head and I entertain them. This one I entertained for all week long, and I thought about it. And so I want to use, I want to use these four hats, these four hats, to describe seasons of hope in our life. Seasons of hope as we're growing up. Now, this, some of the stuff that I'll share is true to form to my life. Some of it's just, it's just scenarios that's not necessarily happened in my life. But, um, but I hopefully you'll track with me as I do this. And, I don't, and at risk of making a fool out of myself, but I want to do this so that it, just for one, it maybe will it'll help you uh, just take it with you as you go. Man, I hope I get a new bike for Christmas. It's going to be so exciting. My, my, I'd ask Santa, and I hope, I hope it's going to happen. I really hope we win our baseball game tonight because I'm pretty good. I've been practicing. And if I hit a home run, man, I hope my dad is proud of me. You know, Mommy and Daddy have been yelling a lot lately. Man, I hope, I hope they don't get that. What's that D word? Divor- divorce? I hope that doesn't happen. Man, I, I talked to Santa, and... I've been a pretty good boy, so I hope I get everything that I asked for. And at church, man, Jesus, I hope I've been a good enough boy for you to love me. Bro, man, did you see that girl in math class? She is fine. Man, I hope she even knows I'm alive. Man, speaking of math, man, I hope that teacher gives us a chance to correct our last test because I blew it. It was bad. Man, I hope she says yes when I ask her to prom. Man, I hope my mom and dad would just quit, just quit, quit fighting about the child support. It doesn't even really matter to me. I hope I did okay on the ACT because I really want to get into that college. That's really what I want to do. Jesus, man, I hope you forgive me for just forgetting about you during high school. And I hope I don't get caught for robbing that bank. That was an extra one I threw in there. It was just, people always think I look like a crook when I wear that hat. All right, back to the, back to the skin. Sorry, see, I should have dismissed that thought, but just let it come. Man, this job would be perfect. And I hope they like me. I hope I, hope I get it. It would be great for my family. When I ask her to marry me, man, I hope, I hope she really loves the ring. I hope she says yes. What? We're having a baby? Man, I hope it's a boy. But I really hope he doesn't grow up and make some of the bad choices that I made. I hope my parents both just live long enough to watch him grow up. Jesus, 
I know it's been a while, but I'm learning to put my hope in you again. I really miss my kids. I hope they're able to come home for Christmas this year. And I hope, I hope we saved enough to, for retirement. It's, it's getting kind of... I hope these old and tired legs have a few more miles left in them. My mom and dad, well, they're gone. I hope they were proud of me. The doctors just said that her cancer's back, and I just hope my wife lives long enough to make it through Christmas. Jesus, I know that you love me, and I hope that you know that I love you too. Thank you. Turn, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 40 in your Bible. If you have one with you. We have some Bibles that we provide too. If you need one to write out on the table. And if you need to keep that Bible, keep it. It's yours. We have plenty to go around. Everyone should have a hard copy of the Scriptures, not just on your phone, which that's handy too. So I want to read some Scripture from you from the book of Isaiah, and then we'll keep processing this idea of, of hope Last week we talked about John the Baptist as he cried out in the wilderness that, that there is hope coming to the world. So Isaiah chapter 40, starting at the very verse, this is comfort, comfort for my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has been received from the Lord's hand, or that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, and every mountain shall be made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The sense of of all of the obstacles that are in the way, the things we have to climb over, God will make them low. The things we have to go down and go through, He'll raise them up. He'll make the path for us straight. Doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy. But God is in the business of using and removing obstacles in our life to cause us to draw closer to Him. It's an incredible prophecy from Isaiah, the prophet who wrote about and talked about John the Baptist coming before Jesus was to come. Turn, well I have to turn my page, I don't know if you have to turn it in your Bible or not, but go over a little bit and uh, let's look at uh, verse 27 in Isaiah 40. So let's look at the, the um, posture, if you will, of the people that the writer was was giving this prophecy too. Think about this posture. Why do you complain, Jacob? It says, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. You ever had moments like that in your life? God, why does it seem like you're not there? <laughs> do you not know? Here's the answer. <laughs> Have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. 
He gives strength to the weary and increases power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who, what? Trust. You know what mine says? Hope. Which you can combine those words. Hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So I want you to consider for a moment the hopelessness of the people before Jesus comes into the world. 400 years of silence, in a sense, and darkness over the earth. Well deserved, by the way, because as you look through the Old Testament, you see a pattern, a pretty familiar pattern, because we all have this own pattern in our life, a pattern of, yes, God, I'm with you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to live this out. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to, I'm going to be in church every Sunday. I'm going to serve, and I'm going to do all these things. And then a couple weeks later, oh, I'll go next week. Tired. You know, or not even that. It's like, you know what? I just feel like there's other things that are more important than that. I've got other things to do. And we, we start, start kind of like veering off. And in the Old Testament, it's a constant God just re- restoring the people. And they're saying, yes, Lord, yes, I'll be obedient. And then they forget about him, basically what it says. And then God does something else in their life to remind them of who he is. And he says, and then they will know that I am their God. And they're like, yes, God, we know. And then they forget about him. 400 years, God said, not necessarily I've had it with you, (laughs) but it's like you're not listening to me. And so the people are living in great hopelessness. Oh, the sun still came up and went down each day. But there was a spiritual oppression hovering over the people. And I'm sure there were some of them that thought to themselves, you know what? We deserve this. We've blown it too many times. But yet there is some hope, right? There's some, and then they see a great light. And then they hear the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. I love this phrase, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Okay, let's take a moment. Let's take a moment to do a quick inventory in our own life. Okay? So whatever stage you're in, take a quick moment to do an inventory. What is it in the stage that you're in today, or whom is it that you're putting your hope in? Be honest with yourself. My wife learned a long time ago not to put all of her hope in me. Yeah, amen. Why is that? Why shouldn't she put all her hope in me? I'm not God. I'm human. Now, obviously, I should give her reason to trust me, and I should provide for her and and be all that I can be for her. But ultimately, who is her hope in? It's in the Lord, right? For those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. Put their hope in Him. So think about it. Who or what are we putting our hope in? And I know that's a standard question you're going to hear at church, but it is something we need to consider. Look at Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 is a story about a helpless man, hopeless man, who was a benefactor of hope coming into the world through Jesus. So I want to share this this story with you. So Matthew chapter 8, this is after like one of Jesus' greatest sermons... (laughs) if you will, several chapters of Jesus teaching about 
every area of life that you'd care to know about. So that'd be some good, good reading for you. Like Matthew 4, verse 12, it says Jesus begins to preach and he begins to lay out, in a sense, his teaching on the Ten Commandments, like how you should live. So Jesus gets finished teaching. I don't know how long it took him to teach this, probably quite a while. And it says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. They followed him because right before that it says, because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law, as their teachers of the law. He taught different. There was something unique and special about the way Jesus taught. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him. Okay? First of all, there's not too much more, or what I'm, what I'm going to say. This guy was hopeless, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. You couldn't get too much more hopeless than that in that culture because it was maybe that day's version of AIDS. There was no cure for this. And so no matter who or what he had put his hope in, he, was, he, was found, he found that it wasn't, wasn't helping him. And if you had leprosy, you were exiled outside of community. Like you wouldn't be welcome in here. You would have to stay outside in the cold and hope that you could maybe catch something from someone else as they're leaving. Like, hey, give me a little bit of hope. Give me something. What do you got? So here, this man approaches Jesus. And I love... The posture. I want you to compare his posture with the posture of the people in Isaiah 40. You know, how it's like they were probably like, God, wh why is this happening? Like, you owe me. I don't deserve this. And the leper's, leper's posture is he came and he knelt before him. Well, let me just encourage you. That is a pro proper posture to stand before the one who offers you hope today. Lord, if you're willing... You can make me clean. And Jesus did the unthinkable. The, the holy reaches out and touches the profane. And he said, I am willing. He said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And then Jesus said, see that you don't tell anyone. Kind of wrap your mind around that. I don't get that. <laughs> At that particular time, there's a reason why he said that. But go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Like go, go show, in a sense, go show the priest that hope has come. There's a better answer to your problems than what you found in the past. And I'm him, Jesus said. So maybe you walk in here this morning with a, maybe not physical leprosy, but you walk in with a condition or a scenario or a situation in your life. You're thinking, I feel like there is no hope. I feel alone in this situation, and maybe you've even bought into this lie that nobody else understands or nobody else has been where I am. And we all know that's not true, right? You all know that's not true. Someone gets it. Someone understands. And you might feel like, I don't, I don't know if there's a way out of this. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I feel if something doesn't happen soon, it's going to break. And then <laughs> you meet Jesus who offers you his hand. <laughs> He's willing. Do you know that you are not so far gone or so lost or so dirty that He's not willing to touch you? Because maybe other than this stage of my life, every other stage, well, of course, I haven't gotten here yet, but I'm on my way. <laughs> In these stages, Jesus was always willing to touch me. 
even when I was unclean, even when I felt like I have gone too far. And he's willing to touch you too. And I'm not trying to evoke some emotional response. I want you to think with your head, feel it in your heart, and then go live it out with your hands and your feet.